You said that this is the thing you get asked the most about? Yeah, managing expectations is something that whether you're you're new to the field or you've been a veteran, you, know, you have to keep in check those end deliverables and what people are expecting to get versus what you plan to provide them. Welcome to the Business Intelligence Podcast from Proactive Worldwide with David Kalinowski. And today we're talking about managing expectations. Most consultative organizations understand the need to address this, but David shares some enlightening tips on how specifically to manage expectations in the business intelligence arena. In our industry in particular, stakeholders always want things quote unquote yesterday. Right? They, they, you know, they don't want to wait. They want it now. And in our information age and in our digital right. world, right, kind right, of fosters right. that environment, right? Then, I think you could just go and punch a couple of buttons, and poof, this information just shows up. Right. Everything's on the internet. Yeah, exactly. And so you have to set those right expectations from the beginning. But you said that also that it's one of the biggest things you get asked about. Why do you think that is? Well, because uh, you know the demand that the intelligence practitioners have on a daily day basis is really high, and so they can't do it all. They don't have unlimited resources, whether it's people or dollars or time, <laughs> to be able to deliver against the work. And so, when you have stakeholders, multiple stakeholders across different functional areas, that all think that their issue is the you know, most important and urgent and important, and and you have to handle six, seven, 10, 12, 15 projects at a time that you're overseeing, you know, they really need some guidance on, you know, how do you decide which one you work on and, and how do you get them to understand you can't answer the laundry list of three pages of, of questions and you can't deliver it tomorrow and, you know, without coming across as telling everybody no all the time. So people need to better understand how they can better manage their, their workload. I always tell people, you own, you own the CI function. So part of owning that is you get to decide what you can deliver, when, and how it's done. I think in, in looking over your article, the challenge might be, so I'm, pretend, I'm thinking of myself as what you just described. I got too much going on. I got too many projects. And you tell me that I own it. But what about uh, you know, these, these higher level execs that are asking these questions and I don't know how to manage that? Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the challenge right there. You can't necessarily tell the CEO, no, I'm not going to help you. <laughs> I, I would, I would you suggest, can't say, I can't, right? Yeah, you I, can never say, I can't. I would suggest never utter those words, right? But you can say, here's what we can do. Here's what we can get done by this date. Um, unless it's that important, then you can give me some resources to really get it done. And that's usually the biggest issue is, you know, resource allocation. Uh, and can what they want actually be obtainable? You know, we sometimes have clients that will ask for something that you, you ask them, well, how do you track that in your own company? And they go, well, I don't even know if we do. I don't know if we look at the market that way. Or I don't know who in our own company has that information. Oh, okay, but you want, you want us to get that on your competition. Hmm. So it puts in perspective real fast for them okay. that what they want to know about the market, about the competition, can be really difficult to get if they don't even know how it's handled in their own organization. So topic. you turn the question back on their own organization. That's one way. Yeah, that, that's one way. The other way is to sometimes use your company values, right? If, if you're all about, um, you know, continuous improvement or uh, integrity and all these different types of values that you might have, being able to say, hey, you know, uh, a quality, to, to produce the highest quality of, our, of an output to get you what you want to inform your decision, you know, we need three weeks, not one week to get this done. Now, sometimes they don't have three weeks. You know, the, the, the information loses value after a certain date. You know, and so that's why you have to understand. You go to you know, um, 
looking at good, cheap, and fast, right? Pick two. You want, you want it fast, you want it cheap, then probably not going to be very good. You okay with that? Let's explore that for a second. So, yes, yeah, so somebody needs it. They, don't have, they can't give you the time. But you, I think you said, though, that you could invest more money to get it faster, right? Sometimes, depending on what they want. If you're looking at uh, trying to under, uncover the, uh, the revenues or profit and loss statement on a privately held company, you can give me all kinds of money. I'm probably not going to get that, at least not necessarily through you know, legal and ethical means. Uh, however, there are certain building blocks you can get a sense of their top line sales, a sense of their gross margin, maybe some comparable to what typical operating income might be, uh, you know, and then do some assumptions and modeling to get to the answers in between. Um, you know, so uh, sometimes time and money will help you to get those answers. Other times, you know, uh, the doability factor becomes an issue. You know, I, I look at really kind of you know five five or six key ways that are involved in managing expectations, mm-hmm. uh, and the first of which almost nobody does is to profile your clients. So profile those stakeholders from the beginning as you start to work with certain internal folks, understanding you know. Who are they? What are they measured on? What are their objectives? What are they trying to accomplish in their role? What key decisions are they looking to make? You know, how, what are their success metrics? So that anything and everything you deliver has to relate back to those metrics. You know, and also understanding their, their personality. Are they a driver? Are they amiable? Are they expressive? You know, do they like to have information in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, in PowerPoint, Excel, a conversation? How do they want it delivered to them? All those things matter. So, you know, so profiling your client, getting a little bit more understanding about who they are and how they operate uh, becomes a really important way to manage expectations right from the beginning. Um, a second one is around determining the scope of the project. And it sounds obvious. Yeah, of course, right? But I'm here to share with you that most people don't take enough time consistently to document the scope clearly. What is it that's in the boundaries of what we're agreeing and, and what's not in the boundaries? You know, so thinking about what are the tasks involved? What are, what are the key objectives we're trying to accomplish? Uh, what are the must-knows versus the nice-to-knows? And the resources necessary? And then, of course, timeline and dollars. Uh, if you don't spell that out very clearly, then there's ambiguity. You say, yeah, yeah, we'll get that to you, you know, in the next couple of weeks. Well, is that two or is that seven? Uh, you know, what, what does that mean? Right, be specific. Work for specifics. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there, there's uh, a lot of folks, you know, we had a client one time who said, hey, our, our competitor's uh, global market share is 33.457%. I said, wow, hey, that's, that's pretty impressive. I said, let me, let me ask you a question. Uh, have you been to every country in the world to measure the size of the market, let alone individual market share? And who cares if it's 32.916 or 34.871? It's about a third, right? You know, so you, you have to understand the perspective, not precision, of, of the issue that you're facing, right? So we had a, a client say, hey, I want, I want to understand what our, our competitor's market strategy is. I said, okay, that's the scope. Yep, just get me their marketing strategy. You know, what's, what's their overall strategy? Well, I got some questions for you. No, no, I don't have time for your nonsense questions. Just, you know, get me the strategy. I said, well, okay. So I waited about 10 minutes. I hung up the phone and I called him back and said, oh, I got your answer. What do you mean you got the answer? I said, yeah, it's to gain market share. That'll be $10,000. And of course, like, well, that's not what what I want. I know that. How are they going to do that? I said, oh, those are a different set of questions. I said, you asked, what's their strategy? Strategy is to gain market share. You want to know how they're going to do that. The go-to-market strategy, all the other different questions. Yeah, isn't that what I asked? No, it's not. I, I think that's really an important distinction is this idea of finding a way to 
restate their question or dig deeper, that seems really hard to me. Yeah, you have to think about the next logical question if you're doing your research that you would ask. You know, and is that really what they want? Do they want the dissertation or do they want the thumbnail look at, at a, a landscape issue? How, how involved do they want and what does their time and money allow? You know, it's like buying a, a car. What features and benefits and little, little extra options do you want? And what can you afford? And how long will it take for them to, to insert that in the vehicle as it's going down the line? You know, same thing here. You have to get the scope down. Right. And figuring out the questions to ask or asking the deeper questions. Or, it seems like you're probably good at knowing early on in the stage of, well, what you really mean is you want to know this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So to, so to get to the right, make sure they're asking the right questions, it's understanding the key objective, right? What is it that you, end of the day, when you take this raw intelligence, raw information, what are you going to do with it? And what, in, what decision will it inform? And if you don't under, say, well, I'm not sure. I just know I need to know this. Well, then you're not, you're not starting the project yet, right? And so it's very important to be able to understand their key objective so that when you think about the questions that when answered, it will actually inform that. Because sometimes you'll get three pages of questions and you look at them and two-thirds of them might be good questions, but they're, when answered, they're not going to address the objective of the engagement or give them the insights that they're looking for to enable a really informed decision. You know, so honing in on why do they want this, what decision are they making is critical. And not enough people don't always probe on that. They, they might ask the question and get an answer, but didn't listen always intently enough to, to see, was that just words in response to a question, or did they really tell you what they're trying to accomplish? Right, and, and so let's say they're not. And a lot of times you would say, well, if they don't have an answer for that, then they probably shouldn't be doing the project. Yeah, I always say... Um, uh, don't ever start a project when it's, you know, these five words, get me whatever you can. I found that earlier idea of comparing how you track your own information to how your competitors might, insightful advice in helping someone understand the best questions to ask. Then that last idea of knowing when to start a project feels incredibly pertinent. David continues on with when it's right to start the project. <laughs> then they're not ready to start the project because you'll come back with a truckload of information and then they'll either go, oh, I already knew all that. Or they'll go, well, what am I supposed to do with all that? Right? So, so don't ever start a project with that as a scope. Um, it's really critical to understand what they don't understand already about the market and what they're trying to accomplish that, again, will help to better inform their decision. Uh, can you give me some examples of how you respond when... They're not defining it? Well, then you have to make some assumptions. Then you have to think about um, you know, the bigger priority that they're trying to address and then come back to them with some suggested questions or topics. And then it will stimulate something in their mind. Well, yeah, that's what I'm trying to get across, right? Because usually if they don't know and you share, okay, then I'm going to go after these four things. If it's not the right four things, they'll tell you. <laughs> right, right. So that sounds interesting. So this other idea of if they're not giving you what you want and you're asking questions, then taking the opportunity of answering it for you and then giving it back to them and saying, before you do anything, okay, this is what I think you're asking for and I'm going to look at these things. That's you have to reflect back what they're asking for. Um, get, whether it's a quick email shooting back, hey, this is what I understand the scope yeah. to be or what your objective is and these are the key four or five key topics or questions that you're seeking. Did I hear that correctly? Not only does it, one, show them that you are listening, but two, it, you're adding a consultative element to what you're doing now uh, to reflect back to make sure before you go down the wrong path, that you're aligned on, on what they want to accomplish. 
And if they are not available after you have time to reflect on that, then it's a matter of being able to get somebody else on their team that might be able to help uh, give some understanding around those scope issues. But you know, right then and there, being able to reflect back what you understand the scope or summarizing it in a quick email back to them, uh, it, it's essential to, to get the sign off, to get the approval. Uh, now, what happens often, though, Gary, is that you'll have a gatekeeper or intermediary that's actually making the request on behalf of the true end stakeholder. And the challenge with that then is there's sometimes, well, often something lost in translation. And so you can go ahead and reflect back to them. They go, yeah, this is great. And then when you have your project kickoff call, which is another way you ought to manage expectations, always have that kickoff call to make sure you're aligned before you really get moving. But then oftentimes, you know, you want that stakeholder, if they, if they can, be in that call. And then what you start to hear is what the real scope is, what the real questions might be, or you get newer, different questions that arise from you know, a week earlier when they were raised because maybe something changed in the market or now the stakeholders just thinking through it differently. And so it's really important to make sure wherever you can, you can talk directly with that end user of your intelligence, not the gatekeeper, not the intermediary, to make sure there's no confusion as to what you're supposed to go after versus what they really want. So it sounds like really being good with communication and planning before you're actually doing any work. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely another key way to manage expectations. We talked about profiling clients who talk about defining the scope. But yeah, communicating regularly would be certainly a third way to manage expectations. So um, having very strong written skills and oral skills and being able to summarize very concisely what those needs are versus the wants. I always talk about that we can have a list of 10 different questions to go after, but if the most important ones are questions one to three and you deliver questions four through 10 and you don't do one to three, they're not going to be very impressed. You might think, hey, I got 70% of the scope done. No, not really. <laughs> if they say the must gets are these top three, if you don't get that, the project has no value. When you get those three and then if you get the other ones, now all of a sudden that adds incremental value. It's great. You know, it's the nice to know questions versus the need to know questions, right? And so uh, it's very important to make sure that you can communicate back very clearly and that you're a really good active listener. Yeah. You have to be an active listener, not just listening and going through the motions. You have to really take notes, write down what you're saying, and really reflect back, ask questions about what they are raising. So let's see, we talked about three. There's two more, right, you said? Yeah, so I mean, uh, those would be three of them. I think, um, you know, seeking perspective versus precision. It's a concept that Gary, my business partner, and I learned, you know, almost 30 years ago when we entered the CI field from, from uh, Kirk Tyson. And that whole concept is about, in the intelligence world, it's about gaining perspective. You know, that's the one word you will use with anybody to describe what the intelligence world is about. It's about perspective, right? It's getting different perspectives from different, st you know, sources. Uh, some more credible than others, have more, more knowledge than others, you know, versus precise information. That example I gave earlier about the market share, you know, that's an example. You know, there, there is being able to look at if you're trying to find out the revenues of a particular product line at a company. It doesn't really matter if I tell you that those revenues are between 100 and 110 million or it's 102.7. It doesn't change the decision you have to make, right? So it's all about providing perspective on the issue rather than worrying about drilling down to the specific answer. They have 60 to 65 sales reps. Doesn't matter if I tell you 62 or it'll probably be 63 tomorrow. They'll hire somebody. It'll be 61. They fire two people or they let, you know, so the precision part changes 
you know, when they start saying, I need to know a detailed, as soon as you hear that word detail, it's always a, an alert, right? Yeah. doesn't mean you can't provide details, yeah. but to, in setting the expectation, it doesn't mean you won't get a precise answer on something, but you won't strive for that. You know, you want to strive for perspective because there's very few people in any given target company that know the precise number on something, right? So again, that's not necessary to make a decision. And how do you how do you express that to the stakeholder? Just direct. <laughs> you know, you don't sugarcoat it. You don't try to you know be soft about it. You hit them you know head on with you know we could get you a narrow range if it's a quantitative assessment, right? Just like when you're doing strategic early warning, you're not going to get a precise date 18 months out of when a company is going to launch a new product. You'll start by getting, it's going to be next year. <laughs> then you'll get, we think it's going to be third or fourth quarter. Then it's going to be November or December. Then you might get to, as it gets closer, second week in November, right? It's not worrying early on in particular about the preciseness to inform the decision. It, it sounds to me maybe like, when somebody's asking for something that what you can also do and ask, correct me if I'm wrong, is that you can ask them how much detail that they need, that they really need and say, you know, if you really need that much, it's going to take more time and it's going to cost a lot more money, but I'm not sure we really need to do that detail. And I want you to confirm with me because if we don't need to do that detail, we can get it to you faster. Depends on how much right they support they need to feel confident in your answer, right? So, the detail sometimes is needed to explain the rationale or justify how you got to your conclusion. Uh, but even the detail might not be available. You know? But to your point, yeah, I think it's fair to be able to say some executives just want the end conclusion, period. They want the bottom line results. Others, if they're dealing with somebody that's uh, more analytical, they're going to want and understand all those details because they'll read all of the details. You know, some executives say, give me a one-page summary. Some will say, give me the whole report. I want to read it all. So that's, again, going back to profiling your client, knowing that about them. Is, are they detail-oriented or are they top-line, bottom-line thinkers? Right, right, right. Uh, so what's the fifth? And the next one's around, you know, um, what I call doability. You know, can you actually do the engagement? You know, so uh, sometimes something's asked and you wonder, you know, is it even obtainable information? Can you capture it legally and ethically? Can you actually, um, you know, connect with the individuals that have the insight that, that you seek? You know, do you have access uh, to those individuals? So I like to give a doability percentage. Hey, we think we could capture 50% of what you're looking for. We think you could get 80% of what you're looking for, right? So you set that expectation from the very beginning. Hey, you think you, uh, you want this in three weeks. You know, here's what I think we could get in three weeks. You know, we, to get the balance, we need two more weeks. Are you okay with a staged or phased approach? Uh, to getting this. So, you know, being really candid about can we even do what you want to have done? And again, it sounds obvious. All this sounds fundamental and obvious, but I'm here to, to share with you that consistently people don't do it. They don't do it because we're in a service environment, you know, uh, as a CI practitioner and you want to say, yes, okay, yeah, we'll go get it. And later you go, oh my gosh, what did I just agree to? And how am I going to possibly get that? You know, and you start figuring out the resources needed and the time requirements and you got these other deliverables. And, you know, so you have to at that moment be able to pause and say, you know, now that I understand your scope, you know, let me get back to you an hour, two hours, a day, whatever it is, and say, let me, let me do a feasibility assessment, make sure we could deliver, make sure we reflect back what you want, what it's going to take to get it done, what I think we could deliver, and get alignment on that. 
Right, right, right. So, no, I mean, I think I would say that when you say it sounds obvious, it does sound obvious, but what's not obvious is the tactics in order to do what you said. And so maybe we can, maybe we can summarize. So let's see if, I, if I've heard you correctly. Um, I think the most important thing is, is if somebody's not, if somebody is not um, giving you the answers that you want for specifics on what they want, it's to come back and give that to them and just do this back and forth until you both feel that the scope is, is well-defined enough in a way. So you, you might have to help get those answers, but you're continuously describing what you're going to do before you even do anything. So that seems like it's the first step. Yeah, and actually a good book on that, too, that has nothing to do with CI is called Spin Selling, right? So Spin Selling talks about the S is you know, situation, the P is problem-based questions, the I is implications, and the N is needs payoff. So in this book, while it's designed for salespeople, that same type of technique in a consultative scoping out of a project for a CI practitioner works as well. What's your situation? What are the problems you're facing? You know, what are the implications if we don't answer these questions that you have? And what's the payoff when we do? And, and, uh, but you're right. If they're not giving you enough of the scope, we have to draw on our expertise, our experience of what those questions ought to be. And then reflect it back and they'll correct you if they're not. So the reflection is important. So that's a key thing is doing all that up front. So so that's one thing it sounds like. The other thing I think um, it sounds like is that you're going to start right away by saying there's going to be some percentage less than 100 of what you can accomplish. And you have to say that from the beginning so you can negotiate what assets and time frames and budgets. um, And the key with that, even when you do that, they're still going to think you're going to get it all. So, so you have to document it back, and then you have to remind them often that, remember, we talked at the start of the project that if we go forward, there was an understanding that we may not be able to capture X, right? So because once you walk away, in their mind, most of the time, that you're getting it everything anyway, even if you tell them you're not. So you have to remind them throughout the process, through the update calls, uh, you know, about that. It's reflection. It's doability. Um, what were some of the other? Profi- profiling so that client. So profiling, um, how do you profile a client? Yeah, I understand having some kind of one-on-one conversation with them. Uh, it's talking with their, their peers, talking with their assistants if they have one, right? just to understand, again, what they're measuring on, what their plan looks like, what their personality is like, when do they like to so, receive so, intelligence. because yeah, we didn't touch too much on that, but it sounds like um, you're going to go, so what kind of person is this guy like? What does he care about? How does he like to, yeah, that seems, how do you... Trying to figure out how you would tell somebody how to go about that in an efficient way. Yeah, a lot of it's just through observation. And, and if you work with that person enough, then you start to capture that and document it in just a basic table or your CRM tool even uh, to be able to get that. But you know, if, uh, if you have a leader and she is the you know, director of marketing, that's who you're serving. And you know, understanding her peers and, and direct reports and what they, you know, what they know about how that person works, how they think. Yeah, it sounds like probably um, if you're engaging with somebody for the first time, maybe it's it, it's best if you know somebody that knows them the best, and you can or directly just... ask them. You know, and wanting to build the report, I take the Jerry Maguire approach of help me to help you. You know, and so it's like being able to ask them, hey, what are your preferences? Do you prefer PowerPoint versus Excel Do you, versus Word? Do you like to get content delivered to you in the morning versus the afternoon? Is there a time that you know is optimal for you? Okay, so that sounds. Do you good. like top level, you know, findings, or do you want the dissertation? Right, right, right. So yeah, so you know how you like to work, but you're going to want to double check and see how this person likes, so you can adjust ahead of time. You so have to personalize what you do to your stakeholder. 
But I like the idea that you just gave some really good examples that in, in five, 10 minutes, you could ask that person directly a key, key set of things that, that would make a difference in how do you approach it. Yeah, definitely. That's actually, that, I can see that totally working. So that's that one. What was, uh, was there? And, and then the other ones were just around, I think we touched on good, cheap, cheap and fast. You know, pick two. You know, so if you want it, you know, cheap and fast, it may not but be But I think good. That, works, that works out in the other parts of clarifying reflection and all that. So you can figure that out. Yeah, it's part of the communication overall. So, so communication is another key. Well, there you go. Things. That was the other one is, um, yeah, well, I think we kind of covered on that too. But it seems like um, having good communication regularly knowing whether you can talk to them directly on the phone and email and then seeking perspective not precision and seeking perspective not perspective yeah that's that's right and i think if i understand correctly that when you ask them how much precision that helps get that dialogue running and it helps put the onus on them because if they're pushing for 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 precision then that gives you opportunity to say well that's going to take more time and they may get nothing because, you know, I always ask him, would you rather get 90% perspective or 10% precise information? Right. Perspective always exists. You can get perspective from everybody. May not be right. You have to weigh it, and you have to, that's why you have validation and verification of sources, right? Precise information is very difficult, and it changes every day, often. And you have to ask the person how precise they want to get so you can get in that dialogue so that they understand that it costs money. Yeah more precise and it helps them decide well maybe i don't really need that that precise exactly yeah. okay yeah i, I think uh, the 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 final your thought would be around you know you want to be able to have a very well organized intelligence capability and one of the ways to make sure you, that you're perceived as professional and credible and and consultative is to from the very 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 beginning you know outline those expectations so you don't avoid so i should say so you do avoid disappointment you know, so that you have a happy client at the end. If you start marching down a path that none of you were aligned on exactly, there's kind of too wishy-washy, yeah, you know, a couple weeks, or hey, whatever you could get, all these types of loose descriptions, nobody's going to be happy. You're going to bust your butt to deliver something that won't hit the mark, and it won't hit the mark because you weren't very clear on the specifics. Forget the general areas. you got to get specific questions. So, profiling your client, defining the scope, communicating regularly, seeking perspective versus precision, and defining doability. Those were David's key insights on managing expectations with the bonus reminder I really like, and that's to be an active listener. Look for our next episode where David will pull ideas from the entire proactive team on business intelligence trends to look for in 2019. Thanks for listening, and be sure to visit ProactiveWorldwide.com to learn more.